0: Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed, with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs.
1: Hi, welcome to Unsheathed number 60. We're uh, entering our sixth decade of podcasting. Oh my god, 60. I know. (laughs) Uh, I am writer Fox Kyle
0: Gold. I am not quite as busy a month having writing Ottercam Hirosaki. <laughs> yeah, it has it
1: has been a tough, uh, not a tough one, but just man, I think uh, I feel f- like I haven't seen you in forever. I've been like every spare moment has been finishing up out of position too.
0: It's like in the Bat Cave, only it's like the Fox Cave.
1: It is, um, and uh, I got it, it's been actually a real good week because in addition to finishing up. The novel, um, I got a couple of pieces of good news from various quarters. I got a story accepted to Heat, which I guess means it will not go on to become a best-selling novel. (laughs) Um, Oh, it's... it's (laughs) You know, if that's the worst fate you can have for a story, then you're doing pretty good for yourself there, Kyle. um, And also got a story accepted to an anthology being put out by Circlit Press, which is a long... uh, Longstanding—I don't know what the word is—they've been around a long they've been time.
0: Around. I think long-standing is what long-standing we're publisher
1: for. of erotica, and they've got mainstream erotica and fantasy erotica. And I saw a call on one of the groups I'm on for submissions to an anthology of shapeshifter-themed erotica, and it was actually shapeshifter coming-of-age stories. So I thought this is you know kind of in my yeah. wheelhouse. So. I wrote up a story and actually ended up putting a lot more work into it than I thought I was going to, um, sent it out to people to review and sort of a quick cycle turnaround, and uh, they wrote back and said they loved it, so –
0: I read the story myself when you sent it to me to look over, and it's really good. But it it is very different than your normal stuff, and I really do think it's because you've got like these human characters, which I'm just not used to seeing in your writing at all. And it it gives the whole story a very different tone. Yeah, it, which is kind of neat. Like as a as a writer, I think that's kind of fascinating that it would feel so different. It,
1: it it had a different tone while I was writing it too.
0: Yeah. It, so, so it's not. I think that just goes to show that when you do write furry stories, it's not just people with fur and tails and stuff.
1: Which is going to be interesting because the next, uh, the next novel that I'm going to be working on, you know, out of one project right into the next one is a story with human characters in it, which I think is the first time that's going to have showed up in any of my novels.
0: I believe you are correct.
1: I've done it in short stories before, but yeah. only a little bit.
0: But uh, just, you know, keep an eye out here, readers. Kyle has sold a story to a non-fandom, you know, publishing housing here. N- n- we're not going to just magically see. And now stories about edible people are okay in, quote-unquote, the mainstream. And you're going to see it everywhere. Like, that's that's not what this is going to do. The, the, we, but, d- we have no, not opened true. floodgates to anything here. Don't. True. But. Th- that is not a dig against you. I do. No, no, no. I no, I, I didn't. Take it as such, Okay, good. But,
1: um, I, I would like to encourage people to go out and check out this anthology because I think oh, yeah. I mean there's plenty of people have actually already said that they're interested in seeing it. And I mean, mm. you know,
0: gay shapeshifters already at Shap-
1: least some of that. Well, it's gay and straight actually. Oh is it? Yeah, it's not just gay, it's just straight oh, erotic.
0: Okay. I thought it I thought it was specifically alternate lifestyle stuff. Nope. Nope. Oh, okay. I don't know why I got that impression.
1: Um but I think there's there'd be stuff there of interest to everyone and it's kind of in the same way that we kind of want the mainstream to start recognizing furry stuff i think it's also important for furry fans who like to read to start to branch out a little bit out into the mainstream and i know we have some fans who really just like the erotica yeah um so here's some erotica that's you know it it's not exactly what you like, yeah. but it's close. This
0: this, this is Unsheath's official baby steps recommendation. I mean, I know we throw real books out at you all the time, things that we tell you to read. Yeah. You know, folks are like, you know, Kazuo Ishiguro and David Mitchell. It is but kind of a big step. But if you're not to take from- the plunge, if all you've read is stories about gay animal people, which I know is true for some of you, and I'm not making fun of you for that, I'm just saying... <laughs> If you're reading anything in the 21st century, then you're already up over 90% of the population. So good on uh, you for that.
1: 25%.
0: Oh, yeah. But still. Um, I mean, I am being hyperbolic. You are. And bitter. Err. But not hyperborean. No. Although, speaking of things that you should read. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: Um, Reference. But um, <laughs> yeah, it is, it is kind of a. Big jump to to go from our fiction to, like, Kazuo Ishiguro, uh, which I just read his new book, by the way. And I know it's kind of a crime because it's been out for, like, a year and I only just got around to reading it. But it is amazing mm. and wonderful I and I haven't read David and, Mitchell's new book and, either. Uh, I haven't read that either. I have to – I kind of promised I would read Cat Valenti's new book, so I'll read that.
0: I am really looking forward to reading David, that.
1: David Mitchell did not comment on my life journal, so he gets pushed down a snip.
0: There you go. Shame on you, David Mitchell.
1: Yeah. On the other hand, I didn't plug his book either. So, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm very excited. Out of Position Two is for all intents and purposes text complete. That um, is
0: intents and purposes.
1: Yes, intents and purposes. Um, I was up till three in the morning last night finishing the proofreading, which really was only two in the morning thanks to daylight savings time. So yay. Thank magical, you calendar.
0: <laughs> magical It's like the dark hour that exists. you know that
1: next time next time all y'all complain about daylight savings time, um just remember it gave me an extra hour to finish my book, yeah, so there
0: there you go um
1: and speaking of people we should thank um <laughs> and awkward segues, we had a amazingly great time at our live show, yes, we did. we probably could have gone for another hour um.
0: Oh, I certainly Kit, was Kit after, after making, the mics were off. Kit is
1: making frantic motions with his paws at me, telling me we, under no circumstances, could have gone another hour. But um,
0: I think Jayot like, would be dead somewhere <laughs> if that were the case. Maybe.
1: Well, so, you know, backwards, backwards in time, thanks very much to Jayot who gave Kit a hand with the audio processing
0: that's Jericho by the way for people who don't know our strange baller name nicknames <laughs> he
1: did an he did an awesome job and Kit is very grateful um we also want to thank the people who showed up to make the live show much more interesting than it would have been just with the two of us yammering back and forth B uh, bhop showed up and talked basketball and fba with us and we managed to make some of that into story conversations Uh, Flane Phoenix talked a little bit about podcasting and football. Football. And uh, Sean from FC showed up and talked to us about some panels, and he has followed up with me. FC is very interested in getting some podcasts into their uh, programming lineup. So we're going to do – Well, we're (laughs) one. Well, yeah, we're going to do not only a live, unsheathed podcast, which I believe is on the schedule for Saturday night at Further Confusion at 10. good.
0: But this is useful for me to know.
1: Yes, it would be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but they're also very interested in uh, having a couple panels, and so we're trying to put together like a technical aspects of podcast and panel where we could have Kit stand up and answer questions with uh, Jayot and um, Yeah, I
0: don't know if we need me on that. <laughs>
1: Jayot and Bhop, and then maybe a content podcast and panel with you, me, and Flane uh-huh. and. Um,
0: content I can do technical is I sit in a chair and Kit sticks a microphone in my face and that's where my involvement with the technicals end
1: exactly Uh, but I think it's useful to have it'd be useful to have those guys up there to talk to people and say look if you have if you have ideas for a podcast but you don't know how to do it technically don't let that be a limitation Like, A, there's easy ways that you can just get stuff posted, but B, there's also resources in the fandom that are happy to help you out and give you some guidance, if not actual physical help. And, um, Fuzzwolf is, uh, Fuzzwolf's going to be there. Oh, cool. And so we're trying to get him involved in some of the panels as well, and...
0: One of us, one of us. I
1: know, it's going to be fun.
0: I hear he's a famous podcaster.
1: I, I hear he is too. Uh... We are also going to be at Midwest Furfest. We have not gotten any acceptance or rejection of having an official unsheathed podcast there. I know that by the time this is posted it's gonna be like a week away, but if you email Midwest Furfest and tell them that you would like to hear that you're gonna be attending and you would like to attend an unsheathed podcast, then even if they don't get it on the schedule for this year, they might get it on for next year.
0: We can always Um, just, you know, found our own convention again that happens to be somewhere in Illinois.
1: Yeah, this is true. We've done it
0: it before.
1: Uh, Wolf will be doing a preview at MFF. During that preview, uh, I'll be attending and we'll read an excerpt from Out of Position 2. And we will be revealing not only the name of the book, which there's no real reason to hide, but also the cover, which is done... Uh, Blotch did an amazing job of it. And to show you how amazing, we are going to allow K.M. here to see the cover for the first time and record his reaction. So but if you would like to put
0: down your glass of wine... Yeah, because I might spill it. Hold on. So just for people here, I have this picture here that's face down, and it has instructions no for me not to flip it over. Half of me is afraid I'm going to do this, and I'm going to have, like, an otter with a cock jammed in his mouth again. <laughs> Um, which I wouldn't put it past either of these two guys to do that to me. I'd be like, psych! April Fools in November, and then the balls will be like all back under his tail. Oh God! Don't even. <laughs> what is this? I don't even. All right. So shall I? Please do. Okay. I don't want to do it upside down. Uh, I think you're good.
1: Okay, but if not, just flip it around.
0: There we go. Oh my God, that is gorgeous. That is really cool. Why wow, I actually like this better than the first one. Yeah, I, I think you really kept the uh like the brand uh like the branding intact. It looks really nice like that. Oh my god, that is awesome. I really <laughs> I I love the color scheme. It I think that's actually very fitting for like the book as a whole. Oh wow, that is so cool i just kind of want to touch it but it's all glossy and nice
1: <laughs> as the actual cover will be also
0: is that actually the price point no okay <laughs> i was gonna say like
1: oh damn it was no it was uh so full of mocked it up with uh, okay something the headline around on hand but okay no no
0: i was like wow really <laughs> no not really no not it's really. not
1: really two dollars
0: <laughs> no for a dollar i'll take 20 <laughs>
1: But yeah, so the they did really an amazing job on it. I've seen almost all the interiors now and the interiors also look amazing. I mean, it's Blotch always does terrific work and um it's uh it's just very cool. So I uh, we're we're all super excited about it. We hope that you guys all will be too and that you show up to the so full preview reading at Midwest FurFest. Um and I believe Blotch and I have been talking about posting some of the work they're not going to post the cover till after Midwest Furfest, but I believe you might see one or two of the interiors posted prior to the release I've
0: seen some of the interior sketches and I know there's some neat things that have been illustrated actually when you sent me the, the table of contents I saw how many interiors you have like my jaw kind of fell into my lap I was like oh my god there's only one more than in the first book really yeah oh, It just seemed like a lot
1: well, it is 20% longer.
0: That's true.
1: The book. <laughs> um,
0: My reaction to the cover. I don't know. It's not that kind of cover. Don't it's worry. It's not.
1: So uh, let's see. What else do we got going on? I mean, for me, finishing the book, getting the stories, it's just, it's been just like one of those weeks where I haven't really had a chance to stop and. Yeah, let it sink in, but it's been really cool. I've been posting I've posted like 12 times on live journal this week.
0: Yeah, I think that due to the power of sympathetic magic and the fact that this big burden has been lifted off of your shoulders, I like magically am finally able to get back into Summerhill. Um well, you also got some other good news this week, too. Oh, that's right, I did. Um, yeah, no, so in addition to, to Kyle getting into heat, I actually got into heat, too, uh, which actually surprised me a lot, given the story I sent them. Uh-
1: <laughs> it's, it's kind of funny, because Cam and I have only been in heat at the same time once in the past.
0: Yeah, that's true. It's been a couple of years. Uh, it'll be nice to share that with you again. Yeah. <laughs> I almost Just, wish this were a podcast at the, at the moment. <laughs> no, um, but no, that was actually really cool news. I squeaked like a girl when I saw the email, and like my friends were looking at me like, "What?" And I was like, "Oh my god, and I had to tell them." But uh, yeah, I was joking earlier. Like, I'm relevant again for something other than being ununsheathed,
1: which is and one of the things that was kind of cool about the live show and having uh, Sean from FC on was that. I guess just by dint of sitting in our remote, discreet mountain bunker week after week and talking and posting regularly, um, people like pay attention to us and stuff.
0: I know, what the heck? And
1: like Sean has been talking to me to try to coordinate podcast people, and I'm like, why me? <laughs> um, but it's kind of cool. It's neat that I think FC was actually the first convention. Well, actually, maybe First was. Rainforest did specifically request that we come back and do the podcast again, I think. Did they? Um, but I know FC actually specifically asked us if we would come back and do a show. And
0: Didn't they ask us at the show?
1: Uh, or was it after? They might have. I don't remember. Actually, we, we talked to Loran after the con, and I think he said he was interested okay. in having us come back and do it again, even though he's not running anything this year. But,
0: but hey. But yeah,
1: it's nice. It's nice to be actually requested so, yeah
0: it makes me feel flattered
1: um things coming up uh our next show we're going to be doing a lightning round this was our idea because we have a backlog of like 30 40 questions and so we're going to try to get through about i don't know 20 we're just going to like read a question quick answer next question quick answer and so on see how many we can get through that way
0: i am looking forward to this episode more than is probably healthy <laughs> I know, it's going to be fun. I'm going to I'm actually hit, it's probably going to be really fun.
1: Um, So don't stop sending questions in. We're going to just try to clear out a lot of these. Um, And kind of as an aside, if you send in a question that does not require an in-depth response, it's much more likely that it'll be read in a more timely fashion than some of the ones we're reading this episode. Yeah, that's true. Because if you send in a, a kind of cool, involved question like, have you ever been so cruel to your characters that you had to stop and think about it? Um, we're going to want to take more time with that one, unless we read it next episode. But we're not, because we're reading it this episode. <laughs> yes. Uh, and kudos to my sports-savvy partner, who called the results of the World Series on our live show, I unsolicited.
0: I forget, did I actually call Giants and Five on the show, or is that just when I was at lunch with you?
1: Um, I think it was just later.
0: Okay. I did say that they weren't
1: going to come back from Texas, but um, I have to confess I did not mean it in the sense in which it actually turned out. No.
0: And actually, when I said it's going to be Giants in five, I believe your response was, I'm sorry, I thought baseball season was over. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not that you were bitter or anything.
1: And the FBA is currently in their league preseason. Games began on Halloween. And the regular season begins on November 10th, which. So probably by will, the time this episode probably by goes the time up, this is aired, the yeah. regular season will be going on. So catch up with your furry FBA. Um, my character, Blathnacht, knocked is a black fox on the Stanislaus Thrust, in case you want to pick a team to follow.
0: And uh, I've got uh, Devin Kellandine, who's a, uh, a ringtail on the Biloxi Mud Puppies. And. Kit's character, Blanc Monge, is a French
1: wolf who is currently playing forward for the, uh, oh, uh, the team that John Stout used to play oh, on. Right, right. Um, crap, I can't remember the name now. Uh, Anyway.
0: Oh, wait, I'm sure. Uh, we've, we've got to check here.
1: Uh, hop brought us these gorgeous uh, pictures of our characters. Uh, It is the... Oh, yeah, Spokane Rapids. Spokane Rapids. There we go. And I have to say Blange is just adorable.
0: <laughs> I love the picture that Jay Tiger did for him. Um
1: last last thing Kit wanted me to look at was views of our Devin Lee video up on YouTube. Which if you have not seen it, if you Google Yeah, if you Google Kyle Gold, I feel funny telling people, go Google my name.
0: Hey Listen, especially Lemon, after, you after mind the last Google thirty rock episode. <laughs> Can I use your computer?
1: Search YouTube for the name Kyle Gold, um, and you'll find the video. We are, uh, no surprise, most popular in the United States, but do you know, KM, what our second most popular country is?
0: Is it Finland?
1: No, although weirdly enough, Finland is fourth, and I'm not sure why you'd know that.
0: I know Finland comes up really high on furry searches. Wow. It just does. I guess there's nothing else to do in Scandinavia.
1: Yeah, but what about Sweden and Norway? Denmark is actually sixth oh, on the list, go. so uh, in between Finland and Denmark is Bangladesh.
0: So is number two Brazil then? That's my second guess.
1: Nope. Oh. Actually, there were no views from South America.
0: Wow. Because I know we have a lot of Brazilian listeners.
1: We do. Yeah. Well, we have Brazilian fans. I'm not sure how many of them listen to the podcast. Uh, at least a couple of them Ekevoo do, does. Yeah, he does. Yeah. That's true.
0: And he's Brazilian, or he's in Brazil at least. So you Brazilian people, go look at the video. Yeah. <laughs>
1: From Bra- love from Twitter, Brazilian, I know that. From Brazilian-identified websites. Um, number two is actually Australia.
0: Wow, really? I would not have guessed that. So, good on you, Australia. Yeah. And Canada's number three. Okay. I was going to say, like, if Canada's not in the top ten, I'd be surprised.
1: And I'm disappointed that uh, the United Kingdom is all the way down at number ten.
0: Speaking of Canada and 30 Rock... We finally got Roland to start watching that.
1: Oh, and now nice. he
0: now he understands why we talk about it all the time. He's like the show is hilarious. It's like I'm like I that's what we've been telling everyone.
1: I know we we've, we we've, we've converted many people to it. Yeah. Um we had actually you. actually I think B-Hop when B-Hop was down for one of the episodes we watched The 30 Rock and he was like, "Oh my god, this is so funny." And you know, if they just started watching it now, then they really have to go back and start watching some of the earlier earlier seasons because This season's pretty good, but some of the stuff in earlier seasons is just amazing.
0: Yes. Overall, it's just been great. Actually, before we go on to the emails, I do have one last thank you I want to put out. Uh, I think it's to DJ, who uh, had given me a bottle of wine at the live podcast. But at the time, I might have thanked him during the actual live recording, but it wasn't until after we were done recording that I looked more closely at the bottle. And realized that he had given me a twenty-one-year-old bottle of Bordeaux. Wow! And I, I looked at the, and I'm like, wait, like that. that says 1989. I'm like, ugh! And I actually, uh, the, it was the only bottle of wine that hadn't been opened somehow. And actually, Jacoby grabbed the bottle and actually grabbed it out of his hand. And I'm like. I'm hiding this. Like this is coming home with me. We are not opening this here. So I'm actually that's that's gonna be my Thanksgiving wine. So awesome. I'll let you know how that goes. But uh thank you very much for that. That was really cool.
1: Awesome. Yeah, he he was the one who drove up with Spike.
0: Yeah, from SoCal. From SoCal, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. They were both very cool. And I'm impressed that people drove all the way up here to Yeah. So like, listen really? to us talk. Yeah, it was really cool. Um apparently there's a guy who's Come into further confusion from Reno just to buy out of position too.
0: Well, you can let him know that that has a gorgeous cover and it will look terrific on your shelf. I will do that.
1: Or he could listen to the podcast and yeah, hear you say it.
0: I can tell him, which I think I just did.
1: Yes. So now that we've spent twenty minutes, <laughs> let's let's do a little practice for our lighting around. We have a uh, yeah. Um, This is why
0: we have to record more often, so we don't have so much stuff to talk about. I know,
1: seriously. Um, The first email we have is just a note from Three Tales on FA, spelled exactly the way it sounds, with no punctuation or nothing. And he just says, From time to time, I have a moment to proof short stories. I'm pretty good at spotting common and spelling and grammar errors, plus I know a thing or two about keeping passive voice, point of view, and voice in general. I do study full-time, and I have a pretty active life with my local friends and mate. That's good. But I do have a little spare time, so if you have someone who doesn't mind waiting a little, I can give it a try. So he's offering to edit. So yep. drop him a note, private note on FA. Three Tales again, is yep. his name, if you have something that you want to edit.
0: And he has been published, so you can feel a little safe about his writing chops. Yes, actually. Yeah, he actually uh, he wrote Basecraft Serostratus, which yep. is available through uh, For Planet. Yep.
1: And which actually got um, a uh, pretty good review, if I yeah. recall.
0: On Weasel Wordsmith.
1: Yep. How how would that sound if uh, the owner of the site was saying it? <laughs> just the title
0: of the book. <laughs> oh, God. No, I can't do that. Those are two words that just don't flow <laughs> in a squeaky voice. I'm sorry. You're welcome, Lovejoy. I'm sparing you the humiliation. Yeah, enjoy but now you're thinking about it. <sighs> yeah, but so is the audience. They can do. It's going to sound better in their heads than it will if I do it. All right. Go ahead I'm on to the next on. email then. So this one comes from... Uh, Zapnut, former famous podcaster himself, yes. <laughs> dear KM and Booster Gold, you apparently come from the future to write us gay for porn. I
1: I do with yes. my with side, I forget what my sidekick's name was.
0: Oh shoot! Um, until you until you asked me to say it, it was totally in my brain. Shit! It's not impulse, is it? No, no. that's different. Fuck! Oh no no shoot! Damn it! Anyway, (laughs) Booster Gold. I was thinking about ideas for a story involving a character falling into many traps, and it gave me a question I wanted to ask you too. Have you ever written something so cruel to a character that you've ever had to step back and think about it? I guess another way to phrase it would be to ask if you've ever had enough of an emotional attachment to writing a specific character. May your podcastings be many and entertaining. Zap.
1: He's a toy guy.
0: He's a toy guy, yeah. Oh, God, that's not. I think I just went Australian there. Yeah. Damn it. <laughs> um, I need a well, logger. So I I'll can, let like, I'll, I'll I'll
1: let you answer the bulk of this question because you're the one who specializes in being cruel to his characters, and I believe you have statistics to back that. I up. I
0: did. I looked up statistics earlier today, like I've been talking about doing for forever. I finally did. I looked at all the stories I have posted online and counted ones that have been published in various anthologies like Heat and X. I counted, of my stories, 23 stories that I would say constitute happy. Like, overall, the end result is happy. Nine of which I would say are bittersweet, which, like, have, like, you know, not so, like, great touches to them, but, like, in the ending might be a little mixed. And only five, which I would say are outright sad. So,
1: the nine that are bittersweet do not count in the 23 that are happy?
0: No. Those are separate. So it's almost... It's not quite happy as twice the other two combined. But, yeah. Okay. And... Contrary to popular belief, none of my characters actually die in any of those stories. No, well, you took
1: down the story in which your characters died.
0: Yeah, there were two. One of them was the abusive boyfriend who killed himself, and the other one was, like, the loser drug addict who, like, turned his back on all his friends. And, you know, those stories you can't even read anymore, so they shouldn't continue to add to my reputation.
1: Well, clearly you need to step it up.
0: But yes, have I ever wanted to do something so cruel to a character that my emotional attachment to them made me want to stop? Have you ever written something, not wanted to do something? Oh, well, uh, have I ever written? Oh. Well,
1: I mean, I know I have.
0: Yeah, like there have been times where I've of like, oh, wow, that's really harsh. But in the end, the characters aren't real. And, and it serves the story. Yeah, I mean, it, exactly.
1: I don't, I don't ever put something in a story that's super harsh just because. I feel like being abusive to the character. I do. I do so because it's necessary at that point to introduce that conflict into the story.
0: I was going to say, there's all the stuff with with Dareth and Benedic Fortune. <laughs> Some of that is pretty unpleasant, <laughs> but it does serve the story. It is, too. but it serves the story. Yeah. So, I mean, there you go.
1: And, and and it serves the character. I mean, it's what that character would do at that time.
0: Oh no, absolutely. So. But nobody goes up to you and be like, oh, why are you such a cruel, cruel person to write a character doing things like this? I do get abuse for the
1: number of felines that die in my books, but...
0: Well, that's from one person in particular. And he actually
1: (laughs) said, after he read Shadow, he said he's going to stop giving me abuse about that, because all the people that die in Shadow and are not cats outnumber all the cats that have died in my other books, so...
0: Yeah, you have a bunch of foxes who die. Yep. Yep, yep. And you are one of those, so there. Yeah. So... Yes, but don't let it stop you from writing. Yes.
1: Uh, To the unsheathed duo. Hi, long-time listener here, but this is the first time I've mustered up the guts to write in. Hopefully you're still listening. I've been trying to focus on writing for quite some time now, but only very recently have I been able to get serious about it. So far I haven't written anything worth showing anyone yet, but I believe I'm well on my way. Thanks for all the advice over the past year or so. I have an oddly specific question that I would like to pose to you, O writers of the fur. One of my story ideas includes a character that is cursed with the inability to die, and I'm having a hard time writing him without making him seem overpowered or unapproachable. I have a few ideas, but what kinds of interesting, funny, or serious weaknesses would you give a character like this to make him seem less invincible and more mortal, for lack of better words? Once again, thanks for all the help. I definitely needed it. Good luck on your current projects. The Whistling Otter Um, First, I would suggest that you go watch the recent arc of South Park, but I'm not going to say anything more about that for people who haven't seen it. Oh, I am so behind on that. Um, there's actually a lot of stuff you can do. Uh, we've talked to people briefly in the past about invincible characters, and there's a difference between... I mean, what it comes down to is there's lots of worse things you can do to characters than just kill them.
0: Oh, yeah. This is the sort of advice that... Um game masters get all the time where it's like how do i really like threaten my pcs like i'm going to throw them into a combat and they can always just fight their way out of it but if you're actually invested in like this character and whatnot is going on it's so, like in this case here like okay like your character can't die what about the people he cares about can they presumably still die there you go there's a flawed exploit right there yeah that, that's a way to add tension and and drama and emotional hooks or
1: if you're just concerned about the the character himself um, maybe he can't die but can he lose a limb can, yeah, can he are. lose an eye or lose his sight there's plenty of things characters can lose that are precious to them that don't don't go as far as just killing them now if he's invulnerable that's different but at the same time there's you know emotional you know, the loss of people near him is good.
0: Yeah. I mean, like, even Superman is, for all intents and purposes, invulnerable. And, like, you know, comic writers have found a way to make him interesting. Yeah. Not only is he pretty much invulnerable, he can do pretty much anything, and they still find ways to add conflict to that.
1: Well, and yeah, his relationship with Lois Lane, yeah. it's always about the people close to him and, um, you know, them being threatened.
0: Yeah. I'm not saying that every Superman arc or story has been a good one. There have been some notable exceptions to that, but this is not <laughs> DC Comics in-joke cast. Right.
1: And then there's always other stuff that you can do. I mean, I'm thinking off on comic book tracks now, but if you've got your character who's who cannot die, then I'm assuming that there's – that there would be a way you could work the universe to come up with a way where he could die, or could at least be whatever, rendered ineffective or insensate or whatever you want to say. They might have the-
0: theoretically done that on a second season of Heroes, if that had ever actually come to pass and the show didn't end at the first season like it tragically did.
1: Right, right. But um, But you could play around with that, because if the character knows that he cannot die, then the consequences of being faced with death or something equivalent to death he's likely to be really unable to deal with it yeah i mean most of us we kind of avoid the subject of death we don't like to talk about it few people have real neuroses about it but you know at the end of the day we're all kind of conditioned to say well this happens and it kind of sucks when it happens and yeah but um but if you're walking around like, well, I'm I'm invulnerable and I'll never die, and then you're faced with the prospect of dying, that the way that uh, affects a character can be real interesting.
0: Okay, no, and uh, the one thing that caught me about the wording is he does say like cursed with the inability yeah. to die, which presumably that means that you have at least some sort of mental component in mind to how he deals with that. So I mean, you know, without knowing the details of your story and your character. Think about what that means some more and try to work with that. It would be something else I could suggest. Yeah,
1: I mean, it sounds like an interesting story, as opposed yeah. to and, and at least you're you're kind of realizing that the this ability is clearly important to the story, but it's presenting you with some certain narrative problems. So that's a good step.
0: All right. Next email, dear those who are sheathed no more. Like, whenever, like, people write stuff like this, like, I imagine that they must think that we're just sitting here talking casually about writing while we're in a state of permanent arousal. Although we are in heat together again. First yep. off, I would yep. like to yep. tell you that episode 52 was simply a laugh riot to listen to. Kim is actually naked. Between the <laughs> I didn't even hear what you said.
1: <laughs> I know, that was just for the listeners. <sighs>
0: Between the drunken weasels and the discussion about sex and cartoons, as well as the Eminem outburst and Kyle reading that short piece with his natural talent and smooth voice, I must say it was a really entertaining show. So kudos. I've never enjoyed face palming as much as I did listening to KM and Lovejoy speak, and I can't help but think that Kyle himself may have had the urge to do so at some point during the show.
1: I was just vastly entertained by it all. It was very amusing.
0: Yeah, and like, by that point, Kit had given me three margaritas, so I was far from totally sober myself.
1: Of course, we're never going to have Lovejoy on again after that.
0: No. <laughs> not after the things I did to him. <laughs> See, like I just totally undid my good gesture of not doing the voice earlier in the episode. I'm such a dick. Now then, on to my question. <laughs> When writing a scene that is heavy into the sex, how can you balance story with sensuality? Sometimes I feel like my stories devolve into a quick bit of humping, and the storyline flies out the window. Any advice for a fellow writer and, in Kyle's case, fellow Fox? Simply yours, Eli Lapso. That seems like it should be like on a tag, like on like a throw pillow. Simply yours, Eli Lapso. <laughs> Ambition is <laughs> the willingness to kill the things you love. And eat them in order to
1: survive. <laughs> Uh you got throw pillows on the brain. Uh well thank you thank you first of all for the kudos on the episode. We enjoyed that greatly and we're always glad to hear when other people did. Uh KM had some good advice which I'm gonna let him give, but there's not necessarily anything wrong to having a story that's sex heavy. Yeah. It's I mean that's what erotica is. It's basically a sex heavy story. And if you feel that that's what the story wants to be, if it's just a story about a sexual encounter, then it's an erotica story. Yeah. If you want it to be something more, then... uh, Oh, KM had his advice, which I'll let him dispense.
0: You're asking here, how can you balance story with sensuality? And then you say, like, oh no, you're writing it, the story devolves into sex, and your storyline flies out the window. My advice for that is... Think of what you want the story to be first. Like, come up with a storyline and a conflict, and then find a way to make that sexy. Then you'll know what you're writing towards, then you will have an actual story in mind, and then it's like the sex is like the icing on the cake at that point, really. Which, I mean, hey, maybe it's <laughs> yes, the best it part. <laughs> oh, I've only had one glass of wine, and that's not enough.
1: That was one for foosball. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That'll be cake. And be cake.
1: Out. Little little shout out to Foos. Um, but <laughs> Sorry. anyway, yeah, and I think if you keep sight of the story, and if you know where the sex fits into the story as you're writing, and it's not just kind of, it's not just an exercise to get the sex, to get to the sex. Like if the story is not just a yeah. a means to get these two characters together so they can get their clothes off and go at it, then. I think the story will naturally reassert itself. Yeah. Um,
0: and, I mean, you know, with the whole, what Kyle's saying here about, you know, hey, if the story is just about sex, you know, to, to famously quote Seinfeld, not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, yeah. that, you know. I mean, there's plenty of stores on yeah. Star that have hundreds of favorites
1: that are nothing but sex, so. Yeah, I mean, I've, people
0: I've written my, my stuff on that. I've done my, my, my piece. Yeah. I've done my time. And now I mostly just write really unsexy sex. And talk about it unsexily on the podcast, apparently.
1: Except for your 3,000-word time-dog space sex scenes.
0: There you go. I was going to say, like, my entire marketing campaign for Summer Hill, when it's coming out, can just be like, it has hallucinogenic otters in it. Yes. And, like, I bet I could sell, like, 40 copies just on that. It's got hallucinogenic well, there, otters. there's at least
1: that many otters in the fandoms. So. Oh, yeah.
0: And as we would discuss, otters are totally otter-fixated. Exactly. I'm looking at you, all of my otter listeners. And Going I'm sure on. you're looking at me. Or at least looking at that picture of me that Saush did. <laughs> One or the other. Wow, I just totally creeped myself out. Go <laughs> me. Yes, go you. Dear sheathers.
1: I'm moving right on to another letter without any preamble. Except the preamble I just said, which doesn't count. Dear sheathers. huacha. No, really, I mean it. huacha. It's the name of that rocket arrow launcher that Mythbusters cobbled together for the most impressive high-speed footage I've seen on TV in ages.
0: You know what's funny is when I started reading this email, I saw the Huacha. I was like, oh, like that like Korean rocket arrow launcher on Mythbusters. And then I read the next sentence, I was like, oh my god, that's actually what he was talking about. Uh-huh.
1: As for whether I'd use one to exact my revenge on the loose-lipped otter, Never. Remember, you encourage us to accept criticism from fellow authors and writers. I've taken that to heart. I'll learn from the experience. No insult meant, none taken, right? Yeah, I really
0: don't want to be perforated by several hundred exploding arrows.
1: No, my retribution will be far more subtle.
0: Like in a story by me.
1: (laughs) On that topic, ironically, I have a question about writing conflict into your stories. I don't think that's ironic.
0: No, I was just going to say the same thing, actually.
1: I hear so often that authors write from their personal experiences. It's more believable and emotional when you've been there yourself, right? Well, that's a problem for me. I am, in general, a very diplomatic person. I don't find myself at violent odds to other people. It's just not part of my personality. Perhaps because of this, KM felt it safe to insult me. Hey! (laughs) Oh, wait. Perhaps because of this, I've been told specifically that my conflicts seem to lack passion. How would you suggest I go about fixing this? I really don't think I want to go out to intentionally get myself into fights just to have the personal experience. Sadly, though, the comments of some people who have edited my stories suggest that my personal brain juices don't seem to be getting the job done. Quizzically yours, Kandrel, the pornographic propagandist.
0: Okay, official unsheathed piece of advice number 287. Do not kill a man in Reno just to watch him die.
1: <laughs> yes, i sign on to that piece of advice. You know, if you can't experience something yourself, the second best thing you can do is read first-hand accounts.
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: There are plenty of people out there on the internet willing to talk at great, passionate lengths about fights they've had, emotional fights with loved ones, fights fights in bars.
0: I am a big fan of great, passionate lengths.
1: Um, You are. Um, And... If you can't go out and have a fight yourself, um, you can at least listen to how other people describe the sensations of being in a fight. Um, Cam and I have had to do this for various aspects of our stories, Mm -hmm. such as time-dog-space sex.
0: Yeah, I have never had sex with a hallucinogenic otter, but I have a brain imagination that lets me... And
1: this is, you don't have to answer this if you want, I don't believe I've ever asked you this question, but have you ever actually taken hallucinogenic drugs? No, I have not. So, again, I mean, and I, I have not either, but I've written characters that have.
0: No, yeah, me too.
1: And the and way... just the Summer Hill. Right. The way that you do that is you listen to the first-hand accounts of people who describe what it's like. Yeah. And you don't just listen to one... You listen to a bunch of them, and you kind of tease out the common threads, and you sort of figure out what you can get away with. Yeah. Um, so, for me, one of the primary examples is most of the people who listen to this podcast know I don't drink alcohol on a regular basis. But I've been around enough people who do, and I've been around drunk people, and people have told me that some of the drunk characters that I write are pretty authentic Or at least believable.
0: Yeah. I got sort of similar stuff with those stories that we were talking about earlier that aren't online anymore, where a lot of them were heavily about a character's experience on, you know, mind-altering drugs. And I actually got quite a lot of comments from people saying, like, wow, like, you really write this very realistically. And it's like, it seems like you have a lot of experience with this to be able to write about it in such authentic detail. And I'm like, well, I don't have experience with it, but that's actually almost a bigger compliment that I can pull that off without having done it myself.
1: Exactly, And, you know, it's a big fandom out there. And, yeah. uh, so, I would say, hey, if there's any of our listeners who engage in passionate fights with their loved ones, which is, you know, I, I tend to be very diplomatic as well, but we know Couples who have big, passionate, drawn out arguments, and then they make up and they're okay, and they need to air their grievances in that fashion. So, if you guys have, if any of you guys out there have big, passionate fights, or if you go out and have been in fights, like physical fights in bars or whatnot, um, drop Candrell a note on FA and see if he wants to interview you about your experiences. When I was in junior
0: high, I uh,
1: hopefully Candrell doesn't mind that
0: I got into a fight with a uh, angry young fellow classmate who was a full foot shorter than me and probably weighed half of what I did, and he dropped me in like two punches at the bus stop after school. Wow! So yeah,
1: I don't think I ever got into fights at school.
0: I'm not a fighting otter.
1: I remember that the uh, I'm a
0: loving otter. <laughs>
1: Uh, I remember that my experiences with any kind of physical confrontation were always way more awkward and ineffective than they were in depicted in movies.
0: Yeah, like when it comes to like actual, like quote unquote, fist fights, like you see in movies, it's just like usually if somebody takes a good enough hit to the face, they just go down. I mean,
1: there was actually a funny article that I read about some guy who was talking about the fact that we don't really engage in those fights anymore these days and he said he'd been thinking about this a lot and there was one case where somebody just was pushing his buttons and getting on his last nerve and he just hauled off and clocked the guy and didn't knock him out but the guy just kind of like held his jaw and stared at him like what the hell (laughs) (laughs) i mean it was like they'd been they'd been fighting and they'd been working up to it and a hundred years ago they would have been punching each other without even thinking about it, and in the modern day, it's kind of like,
0: wait, did, like, you, did you just hit me? It's like you actually just hit me, like in the face on purpose.
1: Um. So anyway, hopefully, maybe you know, maybe Condra, you'll get a note from one of our listeners who wants to help out with your problem of not fighting, which I don't think is a big problem, but um, or otherwise, just go spend a couple hours googling.
0: I didn't say anything. <laughs>
1: Um so I think we're going to we're going to kind of leave it there. Uh Kit did ask me to make one more announcement. Our musical Otter Coulson, it's been a show about otters between you and Jericho and Coulson uh and but, whistling otter and whistling otter. Our musical Otter Coulson has put out a new album. I don't know anything. Else. I mean I I know Kind of where to get it, but it's off his FA account, isn't it? Yes.
0: His FA, which is just Colson.
1: C O L S O N. Yep. So go check him out. Give him some love by buying his album. And
0: uh, you can listen to some of the tracks, I know at least, to to see what it does.
1: We like his music. Yes. And uh, while you're on FA, you can find me at Kyle, K Y E L L, um, or you can follow my live journal, which is where I post most of my news at kylegold.livejournal.com and I also post on Twitter as Kyle Gold. Whenever I post a live journal article, I usually follow it up with a Twitter post.
0: And I don't post as much news or stories or content to my LJ or my FA, but I am Hirasaki on both of those, and you can probably get more of me on Twitter also as Hirasaki, which I usually tweet while I'm out writing and just sort of say whatever's going on in my mind.
1: Like when we were both listening to the 21st Century Breakdown album synchronized.
0: Uh, that was so fun. It was I don't really really even know why. <laughs> like I'd start doing like air drums, and Kyle's looking at me like, "I know exactly what you're doing."
1: It was. I was. It was very amusing. Uh, and I would lastly like to close by saying that I'm again tonight in celebration of more or less finishing the book. I'm enjoying a Kyle Gold cocktail, which is Coke Zero
0: and Diet Dr Pepper. Yes, in celebration for finishing his book, he's getting a good taste of himself. And with that... You're welcome. Good night, everyone,
1: and uh, keep writing. Sweet dreams.